Hello, friends. Episode 65 of the podcast. I think some people pronounce it podcast. And uh, you better make like a tree because that ball got out of here in a hurry. Um, what'd you think, Chopper? What'd you think of that guy? I'll allow it. I'll give it a strong B. Sure, why not? I'm, I'm in. You would. You, yeah, you'll tree. allow yeah. it. Well, I threw out that home run call, thought of it right now on the top because uh, we got a we got a broadcaster in the house. He's here with us right now. I'm looking at him. So is Chopper. Uh, but I want to give him a formal introduction. He's got a great beard, great head of hair. Um, but more importantly, he pitched in the Brewers and the Rangers organizations for darn near 20 years, Chopper. Uh, owns every pitching record for the Nashville Sounds, which is the AAA affiliate for who, Chad Chop? Uh, that'd be the AAA affiliate for the, it's one of two. I'm going to go Rangers. Brewers. So close. <laughs> <laughs> Devastating. Well, you know, they had a big turnaround. They were the Brewers for like 15 years. And then they were the A's for like four years. And then they were the Rangers for two years. One of them being 2020. So that didn't really count. And then, yeah, back to the Brewers. Milwaukee, okay. baby. All right, the silky go. silky pipes you're hearing, listener, is uh, a, a guy that that now calls games for the Brew Crew. Also does pregame, postgame, uh, and I call him the most interesting man in baseball. It's mm. Tim Dillard. Uh, everybody, take a deep breath in, and uh, and just let's give Tim Dillard a smile salute. Smile. <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. Yeah, I could feel that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, welcome, welcome, brother. Thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, where, do, where do you, where do we find you today? Yeah, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I live in Nashville and uh, just got off a six-game road trip. The Brewers went to Colorado and then San Francisco. And after the day game in San Francisco, flew to Milwaukee. I was there for about two hours. Woke up, took the early flight, <laughs> and uh, and came home yesterday morning. And um, enough time to get my kids to school. So. Yeah, well it's, done. It's That's great a life going on. I I understand that completely. You know, I'm I'm flying around running sandlots. You're flying around calling baseball games, and I got two young daughters, and I try to get back as quick as I can. Is there a straight flight from Milwaukee to Nashville? Yeah, yeah, there is on Southwest. I think that's part of the reason when they started MLB stepped in to kind of put minor league teams, at least AAA, really close as close as they can to their big league affiliates. Um, and yeah, that was, that was one part of the reason, because if they need a pitcher, if they need a position player mm -hmm. at the drop of a hat, they need to make sure they can get them there. So yeah, luckily I got the uh, Southwest app and you know, I've been racking up those miles, baby. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Well, uh, chopper, uh, I, I got to have this guy on my podcast a few years ago. Uh, you know, uh, we, uh, and I, I was just enamored at, at his, ability to entertain. And, and I think that's uh, something that baseball has started to embrace major league baseball is this idea that, that not just broadcasters or, or entertainers, but actually players, people that played the game can bring in a brand new young audience with, with your social media or the way you entertain chopper. I don't know if you've, you've done a deep dive into Timmy, uh, AKA Dilly, AKA Dim Tillard, uh, but listener push pause, uh, Google it, Instagram it. Uh, Tim, 
Tim, uh, l- let's start there. Then we'll go back. Then we'll go all the way back to the start. But uh, uh, um, why do you make these epic, funny videos? Friend of the pod, Jeff Levering. I've seen some great content with him recently. Um, why would you start doing that in the old first place? Yeah, I played for almost, like you said, 20 years. Uh, my dad, even before that, my dad was, he was a big leaguer before I was born, but then he was yep. a coach, minor league coach. And I grew up in the clubhouse. I feel comfortable in the clubhouse. I love the clubhouse. That's what I miss the most is being around the guys. And I don't know, for the first probably 10 years of my career, it was, we'd play cards. Uh, every once in a while, we'd play board games. We'd play cribbage. Um, you cribbage. just, that that's what you do, right? You got some downtime and that's how you, you know, get to know guys. You have the conversations, you play games together. And then I think I just got maybe sick of the, the cards. I'd played so many cards. I was like, I'm going to do something else. And it became videos. The Dub Smash app was big at the time, and I'm sure it was shut down quickly because of copyright infringement, um, my, which I should have been shut down a long time ago. <laughs> um, it, we just started stealing clips from movies, TVs, commercials, songs, didn't matter. Uh, and then we would we would just mouth the words. And so we started putting together these mini films in the clubhouse, which let's be honest, you don't take a camera in the clubhouse. That's a big no-no. Um, I talked to the Brewers. I'd been with them off and on for probably at that point, I don't know, 11, 12 years. So they were cool with me. Like, you know, we we trust you. We're not going to show, you know, you're not going to show anything that you don't need to be showing. It's completely PG content. And it it's like, I don't know, you just build this foundation with, with, uh, with your teammates. You know, it's like putting together a Lego set with your kid. You're just bonding over building this sandcastle together. And um, I don't know, we had a lot of fun doing it. And that's, you know, I kind of miss that part of it. That's why you're seeing levering so much. I'm hanging out with him more than, you know, I don't have any more teammates. <laughs> I got, I got broadcaster teammates now. And so luckily they're on board with the, the shenanigans. <laughs> oh, I love it. And I mean, you, you've seen things evolve like the, the Savannah bananas and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, John boy media. And th- there has to be something that you did way back in the MySpace era where those, those folks were like, Hey, Baseball players are funny. Let's humanize them a little bit and and show the behind the scenes. Chopper, I mean, you were the you were the card dealer on the on the planes for the Dodgers, right? Card dealer. I was the I was the guy. If we needed a, a prank or something to be done, a dare, uh, they would come right to me. Hundo would come over and say, "Hey, we need you to do X, Y, or Z," and then we'd have to negotiate numbers on uh, how much that would take from the boys. Uh, but yeah, you. You need to have that lightheartedness in a clubhouse. It's a long season and there's so much failure baked into the equation of baseball. You got to have guys like like Timmy that are going to keep it light and fresh and fun. And that's that's oftentimes the recipe for success in baseball is if you can keep it lighthearted and fun and look forward to coming to the clubhouse, even in a five game losing streak where you know it's going to turn around because it's just good vibes, you know? Yeah, I think the big thing is, you know, to the, to the outside looking in, you think, okay, well, these players that they eat they live they breathe baseball and as a fan you're like yes that's what i want for my players but that is not what you want you don't want a guy leaving the field thinking about the grinding you you want them to completely get away from the field stop thinking about baseball uh and and then want them to get back to the clubhouse and then get almost miss the guys what i love about i mean i i know of it from being in the clubhouse but on the road trip this last road trip I get to be on the bus with the guys from the hotel to the field. And, you know, we're bussing to 
Oracle Park in San Francisco. And these guys had just saw each other. And when the game was over at like 11 p.m. the night before, and then here they are on the bus at, at 10 a.m. And they're like talking to each other. They're hugging on each other. And you're going, you just saw them. You know, like, <laughs> what is the deal? You just saw these guys, you know, but when you're in that environment that everyone gets it, they need that support group. They know what they're doing is really hard. And a lot of them are away from their families for so long. So the, your teammates become your family. Uh, and so you want to be around guys that keep it light, keep it fun, understand what you're doing, understand what you're trying to do on the field. But at the same time, it's about doing life together in those relationships. It's beautiful. And, and, and I, this is a tease uh, for the listener, uh, you know, down the road in this conversation with Dilly, Dem Tillard, uh, I'm going to ask him, you know, what is one or two of his favorite uh, movie clips that he has uh you know thrown back into the world via his social media so i'm just going out on a limb i'm gonna guess it has something to do with maybe nick cage but hey don't don't uh (laughs) don't spoil it um i want to go back to the beginning where it all began and i i i I am maybe three four months older than you so we're, we're thinking 1982 1983 uh, in the in the late '80s, you had a brother that played pro ball. You had a dad that played pro ball. Uh, was that where the love began for you, or was there something else? Yeah, well, no brother till later. I, my two older brothers did end up playing pro ball, but that was uh, when they were done with with college. Um, <laughs> but man, by the time I could walk, it was just baseball, right? Like everywhere I looked, my dad had baseball stuff on the wall, and I think. It, it really didn't dawn on me until maybe I was 10 that I was like, my dad played in the big leagues. Like to me, he was just dad. That was it. My kids will eventually reach that moment, even though they saw me pitch. <laughs> uh, Cause I was the oldest guy in the clubhouse and they were old enough to watch <laughs> me pitch and remember. <laughs> um, but I just came to this moment. I was like, wow, my dad actually played in the big leagues, but he didn't just play in the big leagues. He played on the Red Sox that had like uh, Carlton Fisk, uh, Louis Tiant. Carl Ustrimsky, Jim Rice, Fred Lynn, uh, Dwight Evans, the, the list goes on. Uh, and, and it was just really cool. You know, when it, it dawned on me, when I found this baseball card in like a pile of my cards, that was, it was actually Mike Schmidt uh, with the Phillies, but I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> my dad had that <laughs> iconic mustache. So I thought it was him. It looked an awful lot like him. Um, dad, but that was you it. Used to yeah. be, you used to go by the name Mike Schmidt. <laughs> yeah, Dad. Remember when you were with the Phillies? He's like, I never played for the Phillies. I'm like, well, then who's this clown? You know? <laughs> uh, but that was it. And we grew up, I grew up in Florida. My dad was coaching for the White Sox in the in the Gulf Coast League and then later for the Astros for a good time. But we lived in Florida, had a really tiny house, but we had a big backyard. It was flat, it was grass. My dad built a little league field back there. So from the time I could walk, it was Hey, uh, we need you to go play shortstop. We're going to turn double plays or, Hey, you got to go play first. And so I was learning to pick balls as far back as I could remember. And then my brother was like, Hey, I want to be a pitcher. So you're going to, you're going to be the catcher. And I was like, okay, (laughs) you know, I was the youngest and they bossed me around. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we were taught in the backyard how to play every position. That's just the way it was. And for my dad, it was about, uh, it doesn't matter what you're going to do in life. You know, if you, you don't have to play baseball, but if you're ever going to be part of a workforce and part of a team, you need to know what that's like. And so it was all about being part of a team. And 
you, and then even specifically to baseball, we don't know what position you're going to play, but just because you play third base, you need to know what the right fielder does in certain situations and vice versa. Like you need to know what everyone else is thinking, what everyone else is trying to do on the field. It's going to make you better at whatever position you play. Um, so yeah, we learned all positions. I gravitated towards catcher uh, because a lot of people didn't want to do it. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being part of every pitch. I enjoyed blocking balls, throwing people out. That was my jam. Ended up getting drafted twice uh, as a catcher by the Brewers. And I had an injury in high school right before, I think, playoffs in high school. My senior year, I hurt my left shoulder swinging because I, I used to have a big swing. Hey now. <laughs> and uh, I was actually swinging for some scouts. Uh, there was a Royal Scout and a Brewer Scout after a game. And I, you know, I took a wooden bat, started swinging and um, anyway, ended up hurting myself. And that kind of ended up being the path to where the Brewers in 2003, uh, back when the draft and follow existed, and then it didn't exist. And then now it's back to get super technical. And anyway, they, they were like, we, we know you're a good catcher, but we think, we think you have a long career as a pitcher. And I had never really pitched a whole lot. I pitched my junior year and senior year of high school, just out of necessity. I just wanted to win. And I was like, I just, I'll pitch. I don't care. And it was very raw. My mechanics were just whatever, but I was about a 0.9 to the plate. Cause I didn't want people to steal because <laughs> I know the catcher's trying to throw people out. So I was like, I'm going to be quick to the plate. And I wanted to be Randy Johnson, even though I was right-handed. So I was like, I'm going to throw, you know, kind of three quarter and I'm just going to try to saw these dudes off with their hands. And I don't know, it was just very raw. And, uh, but I ended up throwing harder. So when I was in college, junior college, my second year whatever that is the sophomore year i think it is i think yeah right. yeah i confirm. started pitching I looked it up confirm. yeah yeah <laughs> back check ask jeeves remember him uh and yeah so I, I was like you know guys were getting hurt and we needed pitchers so i we would play seven inning double headers and i would catch the first seven innings and then the next game i would pitch and um and throw the whole game and apparently that was rare so scouts started showing up and going, okay, well, yeah, you, this is, people aren't doing this much. And anyway, I ended up pitching better than I caught and yeah, ended up playing, you know, 18 seasons in professional baseball. So I wasn't always the best, but I was healthy and I stayed out there and you know what, that's all about getting that next Jersey. And until your wife says, can you not get another Jersey? Yes, please. <laughs> yep. Oh, can we relate? Well, two things to unpack there. Uh, well, the first is in the backyard learning yeah. all the different positions. And uh, last night I had a sandlot, a bunch of 12 year olds out there and that's a big priority of mine. So I had, I had a left fielder, a center fielder, a right fielder, shortstop second and first. And every couple of plays, I just had them rotating to a different position. And yep. the key there, cause this is a podcast for, for coaches and parents uh, of youth baseball, primarily um, uh, have your players listen while you're coaching somebody else and they're when they're in left field and you're teaching a, a first baseman how to back up a throw to second make sure everybody's listening and then have them rotate to all those different positions um, because a lot of times you try out for a travel ball team or a high school team college team you're not going to get to play the position you want right and I know those times in the backyard uh, learning all the different positions helped you have an 18-year career uh in pro ball the 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 one of the priorities of this pod is to teach love of play you obviously you're in love with the game me and chopper in love with the game each kid is wired differently but can you pinpoint one or two things 
brothers, dad, uh, what they did um, uh, that taught you love of play, really nurtured that? I would say just the feel of necessity. I was a, I always thought of myself as like a Swiss army knife, like whatever you need, whatever you need. I want to do that. They're like, all right, we're going to turn double plays. We're not just going to turn double plays. We're going to learn how to do it. We're going to learn the technique. And once you learn the technique and what you're trying to do, then you just have fun with it. Then it's, that's when you start seeing like the stuff you see on TV or, uh, you know, you see Jeter making a play at, at home plate because he has that much feel yep. for it because you learn the game, you learn every, what everyone else is trying to do. And then that's when it becomes fun. Then you can explore the space. That's what you see in the big leagues. Guys exploring the space, right? There's so much room for activities out here. Um, but you have to have the fundamentals and you always have somewhere to be. I remember that was one of the first things I remember when we were getting out on the field, I was very young. My dad's like, it doesn't matter where the baseball is. You have somewhere you got to be. And we're, that's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn where you need to be. Um, and it, it really helped too, because when you start looking at different positions, you can anticipate what's going on. So if they're, if I'm on the mound and I'm in double a, and there's a, a bunt, I know where the third baseman is going to be. I know where the first baseman is going. I know where the second baseman. So there's times when, and I always thought myself as a good defender, you, you know, as a, as a pitcher, there's some pitchers that they don't want to field their position. They don't want to have to pick or anything like that, but having that knowledge, it was just fun. Having the knowledge was fun because you could do something special. So I would, I would dive off the mound. I'd like backhand a ball, roll over and throw to second base because I knew that the guy would be freezing at second base because the ball was kind of in the air. So I knew he'd be hung. It just, it's endless. It's endless. Once you get the fundamentals of what's going on, you can make magic out there on the field. And I think that's what I love the most. Maybe not always learning the fundamentals, uh, but knowing that once I had that knowledge, then I could do, I felt like I could do anything on the field. One of my favorite things to watch is an elite defensive team take um, pregame infield. Oh, yeah. Uh, infield and outfield. And, and like, I, I know in college, we, <laughs> we would try to go from top to bottom, soup to nuts, perfection, all the way to the coach hitting the pop-up to the catcher. And uh, that uh, there's just something so sweet about that and so unique to baseball, right? You don't yep. really get that pregame infield outfield. And it, it just, it's a magical feeling. I also, a uh, side note, explore the space. My favorite thing to say, uh, for sure. <laughs> sure it's confirmed. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, chopper back to you. A uh, couple things. Uh, one thing I love that you said that about uh, the bunt in the air, knowing even though you dove that you'd have to play at second, that just came up at practice the other day where, uh, there was a really fast runner on first, which is good. Our catcher was aware of that, the speed at first base. Yep. But the ball was popped up, and we absolutely had to play at second base. I do have a saying that is, when in doubt, get an out. So I don't hate that we got the out at first. But I did address, like, hey, that ball was popped up. What's that guy first have to do? He has to freeze. Second base all day, he was only halfway to second. My catcher's response was, ah, he was fast. So I just, like, yeah, don't assume. Like, play with play the game with your eyes. Yeah. Um, but I also love that your dad was huge on there. I mean, I'm adamant about there's always somewhere to be like, this is not a boring game. There's so much beauty in this game uh, when you know there's somewhere to be. And I have an opportunity to be somewhere that no one expects me to be. And I can make this really cool hero play just because I'm not just being a spectator, you know. Um, so yeah. I love that. I love that about your pops and your brothers. Question yeah. I have for you, because um, I think you have a tremendous perspective being both a catcher and a pitcher. 
what are a couple keys that you need from a successful pitcher? Like for me, it's fastball command. It's being able to land a secondary breaking ball to steal a strike. Um, being quick to the plate, I love at least showing it. Um, but what are some keys uh, that you believe are foundations to be be a great pitcher? Wow, that's – I didn't think this was going to be like a deep soul-searching podcast. Baby. Hey, I'm coaching, bro. I got, I got these high school <laughs> babies. Go. I'm trying to get them scholarships. Let's go. I know. I got a, so I got a 14-year-old, and he is um, – He's good. He's a good player. Um, and he really likes pitching. You know, I blame myself. Um, <laughs> uh, and he's, he's good at it. Um, you know, he's not the strongest kid out there yet, right? You're 14. You're not, you're hopefully, you know, you hit that growth spurt, but, um, I tell, I tell him, this is what he's been pitching for a few years now. And I told him, I was like, if you're going to pitch, you're going to throw strikes. You're just going to throw strikes. Strikes are key. You will, a pitching coach, a team, a manager, a head coach, whatever you're doing, they want pitchers at those strikes. You have to learn to throw. That's your foundation. doesn't matter what you're doing. Mechanics aside, grips aside, pitches aside, you have to throw a strike. That's it. If you went in the backyard and just threw from the mound or whatever the mound and just learned how to throw strikes, you are ahead of the game. You're ahead of the ball game. <laughs> you, that's, that's what it is. And it never ends. You can go play in college. It's about throwing strikes. You go to the big leagues. It's about throwing strikes. You see a guy working in a bullpen. He's working on throwing strikes. That's it. And what I love is that once you start to, to know that you can throw strikes, then you can learn when not to throw strikes. Yep. And, and that I think what we see at a young age is everybody wants to get a guy to chase a pitch, you know, and they start, they start out throw, not throwing strikes. Uh, and, and, and hoping for something to happen. Some of the most elite pitchers in baseball right now is all about their stuff being amazing in the zone. You know, there was a time and a place when it was get swing and miss, get these guys a swing and miss. Well, then walks became popular. You saw the Yankees and the Red Sox for years, for decades, seeing more pitches than anybody else. The average age, they were really old. And so they were veterans and they were just like, we'll just let a pitcher get himself in trouble. And so then you had to learn how to get back to the zone and throw strikes in the zone, throwing strike. Here's the downside to that. Here's the downside of me preaching to my kid. Hey, when you go out there, throw strikes because nothing happens in a ball game. You watch a little league game. It's full of walks. Yeah. It's full of strikeouts. Awful. Nothing happens. There's stolen bases every five seconds. <laughs> and I tell him, you know, if you're throwing these strikes, the, the side effect is guys are going to hit it. So there's way more action. He comes into a game. Suddenly it's a Bruce Willis Van Damme movie from the nineties. Like it's just nothing's happened for six innings. And then there's a jam and they throw my kid out there and it's just like, whack, whack, whack. Explosions. You know, it could be, yes, it could be a base hit. It could be a double. It could be an out. It could, if you hit it to him, it's probably gonna be a double play. You know, he's in, and you know, they don't always win the game, but at that level, it's not about winning the game. It's about winning the long term. And for him, he's learning now how to throw strikes, even when it's hard. Listen, throwing strikes when everybody gets out is, is really fun. You throw a pitch, you get an out. It's like, you know, you put the quarter in, you go around circular. It's all great. Good vibes. <laughs> when you throw a strike and a guy punishes it off the wall or over, it makes you not want to throw strikes anymore. So for me, it's about getting to the root of it going, yes, you're, you gave up seven doubles on seven pitches and I couldn't be more proud of you because <laughs> they were all strikes. And there's guys in the big leagues that can't throw seven out of 10 for strikes sometimes. So yes, always, always throwing strikes. I'm, I don't know, even know if I have another foundational thing. 
I love that. that. <laughs> uh, I love that. Uh, one thing I, I had Gonsolin with the Dodgers and his first couple of years, mm-hmm. he did not attack the zone and he got into these hitters counts and he gave up damage and he walked guys. And it's like, the thing I told him is like, look at Cy Young award-winning pitchers, Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, the list goes on Verlander. Yep. They give up solo homers. Like that's like a, a, a hallmark of a great pitcher. Because yep. they're, to your point, they're attacking the zone. They don't care. Here it is. It's hard to hit. Hit it. You know? Um, so I love that. My my oldest is a freshman this year. Um, and he throws strikes, dude. Like, he he was yeah. 5-0 and with a 2-3-8 on varsity as a freshman. And he was not striking guys out. It was he, he could land a breaking ball. He could throw strikes. He didn't walk guys. Um, and he, you know, he was second team all region just because he could throw strikes. And that was it. He's he, he's not throwing hard, you know, um, but he's not walking guys. And we had a tremendous defense behind him. So um, I love that. I love throwing strikes. I also love that you said when you throw strikes, you can learn when not to throw strikes. We had our ace um, in the preseason this year where he got their leadoff guy, really good team, leadoff guy 0-2. And he threw a slider, the kid fouled it off. So we called fastball in. Well, he threw it for a strike and the kid hit a rocket in the six hole. He comes off, comes off the mound and uh, he was shaking his head. He's like, I knew I shouldn't have thrown him a fastball. Oh, two. I was like, no, dude, you should have thrown the fastball, but it should have been an upshoot. And that's where we implemented the upshoot of like, Hey, up and in where it's, it's either he gets out of the way or he feels it, you know, sure. but he's going to get out of the way. Cause he's got eyes. And then you go right back to the slider. So we got better as a team because in that moment, it was like, okay, this is where we got to teach you when not to throw a strike. The, the fastball in was not for a strike, you know? So yep, uh, the teachable moments. Teachable yeah. moments. I had a I had a pitching coach once. We were giving up too many O2 base hits. And yeah. it wasn't just me. It was just as a team. We were giving up too many O2 base hits, which I didn't really care because I I was like, I'm gonna throw a strike. If a guy hits a dinker and it's you know swinging bunt or gets it through the four hole, like I'm okay with that. I'll just get yeah. a double play. I was a ground ball guy and knew what kind of pitcher I was. But he he instituted a fine and for a hundred dollars. You give up an O2 base hit, it's a hundred dollars. And dude, in the minor leagues, you know this. That's a lot of money. <laughs> we had the and same fine. Would, we had yeah. the same fine from our pitch. I'm serious. Our pitching yeah. coach, Reggie Jackson, was his name. Yeah, Coach Jackson. Well, I mean, but that's universal, right? Like you get in pro ball, this is the way it is. And I remember my first start in Double A after that was, rule was instituted, and I told the catcher I was so sarcastic. Kids, don't be like me. <laughs> I was stubborn, and you know I felt like you're getting onto me, and I'm not even doing that that much. So I told the catcher, hey, if there's nobody on base and we get a guy 0-2, I'm going to throw this ball halfway up the backstop just to prove a point. And I did that. First batter got him 0-2. Catcher's, I could see it through his mask. Big old grin. And I came set. We were playing in the Cubs double-A in Pringles Park in Jackson, Tennessee. And I threw this ball almost over the net behind home play. I love it. <laughs> came set. And uh, uh, Chris Walker was a leadoff guy, lefty, and uh, really fast and played against him like every level. And he, he, he steps out and he goes, he asked our catcher. He's like, what's wrong with Dillard? He never misses. <laughs> yeah. He didn't miss. He was aiming. Yeah, he did. I didn't. <laughs> he, that's what the catcher said. Catcher goes, you know what? He didn't miss on that one either. <laughs> Only you, man. I, I, I love that's that so you have good. the perspective of a dad as well. And this is a question <laughs> we ask on this pod a lot is, you know, you played, you played professional baseball for 20 years. So, Thinking big picture comes pretty natural to you. Um, but why do most travel ball coaches, little league coaches, little league parents, why can they not see 
past the the game? Why can they not see past the win or loss that day and and look big picture? I'm sure you've seen some some uh, crazy action as you sit in the bleachers or coach your kids. Um, any ideas why why can't they get there? Man, I'm getting chills right now because it's it's such a it's such an important topic, and I don't know the exact answer, but I will say I've seen it done the right way. And it, that's what I'm trying to do as a, as a dad of, of kids that play sports. I got three of them. They all play sports. Number one, like my dad in high school, when I was in high school, he would just sit in the chair and watch the entire game. He would just sit in a little chair off by himself. He wanted to watch the game. And my dad was like a local celebrity. We're in a small town in Mississippi and everyone knew him. He's a legend. And you know, People come up and try to talk to him. He's just like, well, let, you know, let me watch this game. He just wanted to watch his kids play. And he wouldn't say a word. And there's dads climbing the fence, screaming at everything. And my dad wouldn't say a word. After the game, he still wouldn't say a word. And there'd be times I'd come up to him and be like, hey, what, what, what happened there in the third? And he'd go, well, you, ball was hit back to you, but um, you, you were thinking right. But in that situation, third baseman wasn't thinking that at all. And I'm just like, okay. And he breaks down the entire play. And one that comes to mind, it was first and second, nobody out. And I jammed this. It was my junior season. Kid got jammed on a ball, like a really slow, soft liner back to me. But when you're on the mound, you think everything's a rocket. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of was like getting my glove up, trying to shield my face a little bit, didn't know where it was going to. And it hits me right in the palm. And as soon as it hit me in the palm, it fell straight to the ground. So in the matter of a split second, this is what I thought. I was like, we got first and second. They were freezing on that line drive, slow line drive. I'm thinking this is triple play because that guy's not even out of the box yet. And I'm thinking I'm going to third. So as soon as the ball hit the ground, like it barely hit and bounced back up. I turned barehanded, throw it to third, and it goes right over third base. And there ain't nobody standing there, <laughs> you know? And I was just like, that was bad. <laughs> you know, I look like a complete fool because, you know, Anyway, so I remember my dad in that moment because he had watched the game. He wasn't busy yelling and talking to everybody. He watched the game and he goes, well, that was maybe the correct play, but your third baseman was not thinking that at all. He did not get there. He didn't think it was you were going to third base at any point, you know, and you need to know that you need to not expect that, you know, at this level of high school. But you need to you need to make sure like if that could be a possibility, throw it out there. Say, hey, if it's back to me hard enough, I'm coming to you. You know, if that's what you want to do in that moment. And what I found is that that's the right way to do it. Don't climb the fence. Don't yell at the coaches. And you know what? I don't coach my kids. And my wife has a hard time with this because she's like, how come this kid's not playing? How come our kid's not leading off? And I'm going, you know what? He volunteered to coach. He can put his kid first. He can play shortstop or pitch. He's volunteering his time to do this. He has full range of whatever. If he wants to make my kid run because he's late for practice, then you know what? Go do it. <laughs> like I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to agree with it or disagree with it, but you put in the time. He's the coach. He can do whatever he wants. So I don't argue in that way. I just sit there and watch the game. And it's interesting too. I saw, so my, my youngest is seven and he's on the same team with Chase Headley's child. Do you know Chase Headley? Yep. Remember yep. him from Padres, Padres. Yankees? Yep. And so the game's going on. We're watching our kids. And in between innings, we're talking about RBIs in baseball <laughs> because he led the league one year with the San Diego Padres. And, um, and so I just, I love that. I love, and I always ask him, you know, different questions. And he said, 
just talking about RBIs. He's like every that year, every time there was an opportunity for an RBI, I took it. I took it. So in between innings, we're talking baseball. We're talking strategic baseball as we're watching these kids play. We're not critiquing these kids. We're watching them have fun and trying to learn the game. That's what we're doing. And sure, there's things that we would do different. But if you're a parent listening to this, you need to sit there, just watch the game and prepare for questions from your kids. They may be asking questions. Don't get in the car and berate them. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this? Um, because kids go to school for eight hours, you know, and then they have to go to practice or they have to go to a game. And it's hard being a little kid sometimes when you're having to go through all that. So there, there should be a lot of grace in those moments. But for a parent, be ready. It's the same as a coach. Watch the game. Once you get in, it's free to pay attention, right? Get in there, pay attention, watch all the angles. And then in the moments when you have a teachable moment, sit there and go, yeah, you should have ran harder. <laughs> like you... <laughs> You were watching the ball. You thought it was going to go foul. So you didn't run next time run if it's questionable. And anyway, I'm sorry. I get long winded, but I just thought to myself, uh, when my kid was 11, he stole home on a pass ball, right? Pass ball. He goes to run in and I've been preaching to him. Like you need to slide. You need to learn how to slide. You know how to slide, slide all the time. He goes running in. He doesn't slide. Catcher picks it up at the fence, no play whatsoever, but decides to throw the baseball. And it hits him in the mouth. He ends up getting a big, giant, swollen lip. And I didn't say anything. And, you know, he ended up, he kept playing in the game. Game got over. All his teeth were intact. Thank goodness. <laughs> but I, you know, he, I waited for him to say something. And sure enough, you know, on, in the car, he was like, I should have slid. And yeah, probably should have. <laughs> go. And I was like, you know what? Your face will heal, you know, and if not, you'll have scars like me of, of lessons that we've learned. And I said, Next time you're in that situation, you will slide. And this is a teachable, it's a learning moment, slide. And so you have to fail. You have to fail. But for parents, be there. Be there and have a response, a very good response to help nurture these kids that, you know, they're playing a hard game. And criticize quietly, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and ha have them engage with the question first. I got chills listening to you talk about your dad because my dad was the same. Lawn chair six pack of wild cherry Pepsi Hawaiian shirt unbuttoned behind the left wild field fence. <laughs> it was a specific deal. Uh, but, yeah. um, he was very quiet and I, uh, my best friend uh, who always batted in front of me, uh, was the best player I'd ever seen. Uh, every college coach was, was after him. He came up to me senior year in the on deck circle, big moment, bottom of the ninth. Hey, James, why are you so clutch? I've never been clutch. And I had no idea how to answer that question. But looking back on it, I can see both our dads. I can see my dad, I mean, laughing and giggling and, and just, you know, talking baseball with, with, with a buddy. Uh, and then there's his dad clinging to the fence, very loud, um, it reminding him how much uh, pressure he should be feeling, you know. And, and it, uh, I loved the big moment. I mean, I batted like, I batted like a, a buck 20 in college with nobody on base. But when, when people were in scoring position, I batted like 500. I really liked that spotlight because I wasn't afraid of that moment. Just like you weren't afraid of big moments, but I love that. I love the idea of tone. Uh, I think kids look at parents' body language and they hear the volume and the tone of which you speak way more than the actual words. And when there is something constructive, I mean, they're going to open their ears a lot more when, when it's a conversation. 
and and it's and it's after yeah. they've had a chance to decompress the the moment and and almost lose their tooth, you know, and then they'll they'll actually say, "Hey, Dad, you know, what what I do wrong there?" And then you got them. Then you got them. But um, I I think it's an anxiety thing. I think it's an uneducated kind of thing. And so, uh, as parents, you know, we gotta we gotta do better. We gotta educate uh, ourselves on it. And Chopper, I don't know if you see it at the high school level still, but I know you do in your travel ball. Yeah, I want to touch on the why coaches are so crazy. And a lot of times it's not because it's their kid. It's because they live vicariously and they see, they find worth in, Oh, my team's won another, you know, $5 ring. And it's like, I promised my parents my first go around. Right. And now all these kids are starting to be in high school. So if we had 12 kids on the team, I just got a text a few days ago from our social media director, who was also my social media director in club ball. Yeah. We have a social media director. Bang. Um, Yeah. Big time. time. (laughs) Big time. Huge time. So, um, but no, but he texted me. He's like, Hey coach, just want you to know out of, you have 10 kids right now across six different high school programs playing varsity baseball as freshmen. So that was my promise to the parents. It's like, Hey, we didn't win our first tournament. I think it was 250 days. It was something ridiculous. Right. Cause I didn't care. Like I wanted to make sure the kids knew that they had value and they were fearfully and wonderfully made. And my love for them was detached from their results. And I wanted to teach them fundamentals. My promise to the parents. Yep. And to the kids was, you're going to be an asset when you get to high school. That's my goal. That's my only goal in the winning and all that stuff. That That's going to be a byproduct of our hard work and our attention to detail. Um, but we did community service once a month. They had to have at least a B uh, grade point average in, in school to be a part wow. of our club. And then we did speed and power every practice. So out of the 12 kids, 13 kids, 10 are playing varsity baseball as freshmen. The other two are running track, right? Which is awesome. So I think sometimes we lose train of thought when we're running these clubs. Like we got to win games. No, dude, like empower your kids, like empower your kids, show them how to deal with adversity the right way. Um, Give them the tools where it's like, Hey, we're going to do speed and power so that you know how to run the right way correctly. And it may not be baseball, but mom and dad aren't wasting 150 bucks a month. um, Cause your kid all of a sudden now doesn't play baseball, you know? So I think it's that looking from the right lens. Like we talk about coach ball game of, win the heart and just encourage these kids to be confident young men filled with empathy and love and grace. Um, and if we did that as coaches, we're not going to scream. There's nothing to scream about. If it's a bad call, cool. Hey, Hey, learn how to overcome it. Jimmy, you got this. Get in the moment, win the moment. You can do it. Show us your heart and your character. So, and I think no, that's uh, good. Uh, yeah. I think parents will probably, uh, they'll watch what you do as a coach and, and kind of follow your body language and your actions more than they will. Yeah you sending an email or you telling them be quiet, right? That, that They might even t- turn their, their ears off when you, when you send that email, like these all are the caps. rules, but be quiet. all caps. I mean, you, you might have to do that uh, uh, with some parents, but yeah, I think yeah, Dilly, you know, just the way you uh, and Chase Headley kind of uh, the way you react to high leverage moments with your kids, they'll still watch you. They'll see that. And they'll be like, Oh, they've been there, done that. And they're not freaking out. So very true. Very true. We'll sit there. And, I mean, people watch my dad just sit there and watch. You know, we didn't always play great. It would be awful. My dad's just sitting there watching the game, <laughs> like just for the pure sport of the game and for later feedback. But I think what one of the big things is, is staying calm as a parent is it's not everything. You know, if they're seven years old, that's there's a lot of baseball left. If they're 10, if they're 15, like and, and make sure your kid likes baseball 
I mean, I tell my kids every time they sign a verbal contract. Uh, my wife wouldn't let me do a written thing. Seemed weird. Um, but if you sign up, I don't care what you sign up for. You sign up for my daughter to, did soccer and she's she doing gymnastics and got kids playing, you know, running track or whatever they decide to do. Number one, you're going to play a team sport. That That's you're going to play a team sport, learn how to function as a team, learn where you fit in the mosaic, you know, the puzzle piece. Um, but you sign this contract verbally because you if you're going to play, you're going to play the, the game this year. Uh, yeah, I want to play on the team. Okay. You show up to practice, you practice hard, you have a good attitude, you're a good teammate and you play games hard. And once you finish that season, you don't ever have to play baseball ever again. I, I'm not going to force you to play baseball ever again. You want to go another sport, you want to do another route. That's fine. I got no, I got no problem with that, but you're going to finish this one and putting the pressure on the kid of, of like, yes, you're going to play. Yes, you need to be running, and you have to tell them in the moment. Shows a lack of preparation on the parents' part, right? I'm sorry if this is being pointed. I feel like if someone's listening to this, they're going to be like, "That's me," but I'm going to fight against that because er, I don't like it when people tell me my faults. I'm the king of that. Like, ask my wife. Like, tell me something I did wrong, and I can think of 40 ways on how that doesn't apply. <laughs> yeah. But. Think about what you say to your kid before they get out of the car or before the game. Tell them everything you need to tell them so you don't have to even go to the dugout or yell at something. Hey, turn two. Like, get them ready mentally, right? Get them metal. So I, I tell them every time for the guy out of the car, I'm like, hey, you know, be a good teammate. And I want that to be all-encompassing. Be a good teammate. I'm not telling them, hey, I, I want you to hit a home run. Be a good teammate. You're going to do what's right. You're going to do what's right in the field, at the plate, on the mound, running the bases. You're going to do what's right if you're being a good teammate. And, you know, if your kid struggles in an area, say, hey, listen, make sure you need to back up a base. Tell them before, hey, run hard. Run hard today. You hit a ball on the ground. I want to run the fastest you've ever ran. You know, run through the base. Whatever you have to do, whatever the one thing that maybe they need to hear, and I'll, I can't wait to cheer for you. I can't wait. You ain't going to see me in the dugout, kid. I ain't bringing you a juice box in the middle of the game. Like, I'm going to sit there and I'm just going to enjoy watching you play. I don't care if you strike out three times. You strike out three times, guess what? You're three at-bats better as a baseball player than you were before the game started. So I don't care if you strike out. Go up there with so much freedom that whatever pitch you want to hit, just smash it as hard as you can. Like, give them a, a, a blanket where they can, you know, have that freedom. I had a coach once tell me. He came out to the mound and he go, had given up a home run to a guy named Valentino Pascucci in yes. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Remember? Yeah, you did. Oh, was from our hometown. Yeah. yeah, giant. That guy was a giant. Um, and, and he had probably hit some, you know, a lot of balls off a lot of people a long way. But I gave up a home run, and my manager came out to the mound in the middle of an inning, like the fourth inning. And I was like, they're taking me out already? <laughs> you know, I've been cut already. And anyway, there was nobody warm up to the bullpen. He comes out, and, he, and Pascucci was up, and he goes, hey, would this guy hit a home run off of you? That ball was crushed, but what was it? I said it was a slider. He's like, okay, I want you to throw every pitch this at bat to him, a slider. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and it, I mean, think about it. I have a pitching coach. He didn't come out. Catcher didn't come out. It was the manager. He just wanted to say that. He goes, I want you to throw every pitch this guy a slider. And then he just ran off the mound. I'm like, okay. And I was like, okay, well, if I give up a home run to him, I've already done that. That's on the, that's on the head coach. You know, that's on the manager. Like he told me to throw a slider. So, but anyway, I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm just gonna, I know I'm throwing slider right now. It's catcher calls slider. I'm like, yeah, throw a slider. 
I ended up getting him out. I threw five sliders, ended up getting him out, popped it up to the catcher, I think. I came in, and as I reflected on that moment, I, I he gave me a safety net. He allowed some area where I could have failed, and it was okay. Hey, you basically saying, if you give up a home run, that's fine, but you need to learn how to throw a good slider at the AAA level, apparently at 4,500 feet of Isotope Stadium. But whatever reason, he's like, this is a teachable moment, and he's going to do it for me and it was my first year in triple a and i'm facing you know some big leaguers in these lineups and he thought that was more important than this game this at about bat. it and it that's one step away from the show you're one step away oh, from yeah. the show yeah. where honestly he could lose his job if you lose that day you know or if you lose yeah. 10 straight he might lose his job he's still looking big picture so we as <laughs> parents of an eight-year-old come on now um Man, no I, 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 I know exactly. <laughs> uh, I I want to put a put a bow on this this topic and and get you out of here. Anything to close up shop on that theme, Chopper? Yeah, the term I use for my babies is play confident and fearless. Like confident and fearless. If you're going to make an aggressive mistake, we're going to celebrate it as a staff. If you're timid or scared or you don't go when you think you should, that's when we're going to not. We don't yell in any way, but it's like, hey, that's when it's like, hey, dude, I gave you that blanket, like. Confident and fearless, anticipate it's 0-2. What's this guy done the whole day? Fastball up, curveball on the dirt, one, two, go. Like, like be fearless, see it out of hand. Don't wait till it's to home plate. And so many times as a catcher, they block a ball and they figure the guy's not going. Our guys are already halfway to second. And then yeah. they're like, oh shoot. And, and you know what I mean? So it's like, as coaches, dude, like, yes, I love that your triple A coach did that. And you do that as a as a dad. Like, get him prepared and let him go. Like play free became our mantra the second half of the year. And we ended up you know, 13 and two, the, the second half of the season, because it was like play free, free to fail, free to succeed, you know, free to explore the space. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like play free. And it is, we had so much fun as a group when we kind of just like release the pressure, dude, like, Hey, let's just take a little pressure out of the tire and let's freaking roll. Yeah. One, know, of, I like one, that. one of the best ones I heard Mike Maddox, who's been a pitching yeah. coach for however long his brothers, I can't remember his name. <laughs> Yeah, Maddox, big rubber. He likes to rub the sh rub your shoulder yeah, when he, he's talking he, to you. Yeah, yeah. He, he walks out to the mound. He puts his hand on your shoulder to yeah. see how tense you are. You yeah. know, because mm. a lot as a pitcher, you're you're tense in the shoulders, and he wants to know how tense you are on the mound. It's actually a like real that. thing. He's come out to the mound for you know with me. I was with the Brewers in '08 when he was the pitching coach, and he come out and. Uh, but one thing he said one spring training, is um, he said you know. He said, uh, I want you guys to not have any gray area. I want you to be 100% right or 100% wrong. If you're backing up a base or if you're, uh, you know, throwing a pitch, don't be in between. Be 100% right or 100% wrong. Bang. Bang. I love that. That's amazing. And and he's, uh, uh, you know, uh, obviously one of the most respected pitching coaches in the game uh, and, and he's, he's letting you know right away that I want you to have a hundred percent freedom <laughs> to, to fail, uh, all the way or a hundred percent freedom to win, uh, all the way. So, uh, another, just another knock on your door there, parent and coach, uh, give your, give your kids total freedom. I see William Wallace on a horse with blue face paint right now, just screaming freedom. Uh, maybe before the game today, uh, you're only allowed to say these words, uh, coaches explore the space and be free to fail. And then tomorrow at practice, yeah, do some high leverage 
um, situational stuff. Uh, you know, put the pressure on them in practice. Make it feel like the game. Uh, put the uh, put that game speed. Uh, fast forward a little bit and do that in practice. We talked to the Brown University uh, baseball coach. That's what he does. We we try and make the practice so uh, intense and fast uh, for these high caliber players that the game we we just be quiet and we watch. We watch the game quietly. So um that's good stuff your job uh, your job in game yeah your job in game as a coach is to get your kids in a good mental space so if they fail yeah. they know they failed you don't need to yell at them you need to find a way to get them back in the moment if it's humor if it's a kind look if it's a just a reminder that hey we believe in you you're the best you got this you can do it hey next ball's coming to you you're the goat you know like whatever it takes your job is to be a true just you got to just be emotionally dialed in for the kids. Like, it, you know what I mean? And then to your point at practice, sure. Do the, do the constructive criticism. If you can do it one-on-one, make the, make the celebration be heard and the criticism be one-on-one. Um, but yeah, in game, dude, how do we get them? You're, you're a therapist in game. It's good. Um, w- you we're getting you out of here. Uh, because do you have a game to call tonight? No, no, no. I, uh, well, I'm actually going to my, seven-year-old's baseball game tonight yes you <laughs> are you won't well, call it in my head i'm like i'm, I'm there yeah. <laughs> um there's a drive you... to pitcher double <laughs> fences the home on the throwing yeah air. routine ground ball to second that'll be a four three. Oh, that's a home run yeah, there's that's... a drive to second base if it's fair it's gone <laughs> oh, that's um, so good. Do, do you know who you face the most in the show what batter I have no idea. I, if I had to guess, I would say uh, Yadier Molina. I think. Good, good guess. Incorrect. Chopper, you got it. We're going. We're going NL East. East. Um, East? And he's Mister. He's no. His nickname's Mister Something. NL East. Mister. Mister. Net. Mister. Met. The mascot. David Wright. David Wright. Mister National. Oh, Ryan Zimmerman. Bang, Ryan Zimmerman. Really? Most, most hits was Yachty. He yeah, got the yeah. most knocks off of you. Yeah, he's um, five. That's why you remembered it. Yeah, he's five for four <laughs> off of me. He's good. <laughs> five for four, hey. <laughs> Look that one up. It dialed in on me. Yeah, that's um, pretty good. That's pretty I, good. <laughs> what, uh, what, was the, what was the one moment you'll tell your kids from being on a mound in the show can can you pinpoint one moment um that you'll carry with you the rest of your life i yeah i got one win in the big leagues i have several losses but i got one win and it fell in my lap and it was out of necessity there was nobody else um there was the guy the bullpen we were in florida in the old stadium playing the marlins football stadium and there was you know a guy that wasn't going to pitch because he had thrown so many uh, innings the day before and then you know there's all these other guys had pitched in the game it was kind of a I don't want to say meaningless game but it was you know it was a game and it was me and John Axford left in the bullpen and that were able to pitch and I got put in and it was bases it was like the worst moment you could think of. it was a bases loaded nobody out or one out and the game's on the line we're like tied and I get out there and and they're just you know I think Ron Renicky just said uh he said, get me a ground ball. 
He said, just get me a ground ball. And I said, okay, all right. And there was this, uh, it was, um, was it Gabby Sanchez? Yeah. Gabby yeah. Sanchez, I think. Yeah. I think he was up. And anyway, I thought this guy's a ground ball waiting to happen. So I want to be the one to give it to him. And yeah. sure enough, hits a chopper on the ground to third. Craig Council, the manager of the Brewers now, is at third base. He picks up the ball, and I think he's like going towards the dugout, like crosses the foul line, throws back across his body to Lucroy at catching. And um, anyway, gets the out, and I think they turned two right there. I think he threw to first afterwards because, you know, Gabby's not very fast. And then the next batter was this guy. You may have heard him, um, Mike Stanton. He, mm, he eventually Giancarlo, changed his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know him as Giancarlo now. <laughs> yeah. so anyway, next next pitch, uh, threw another pitch, and then it was like broken bat out to left field for an out and get out of the inning. And we end up scoring a run. Braun hit a home run, I think. And then uh, maybe Axford comes in, gets a save. And I d- it didn't even dawn on me till after the game. Everybody was like, you know, congrats. Spray me with like champagne and all this stuff. Felt like it was water, but I was <laughs> like, what, what's going on? They're like, you got the win. I was like, what? How'd that happen? Um, but I, I would tell that to my kids. Cause like, you don't know what situation you're going to be in. You don't know it in your mind. You're like, Oh, I'm going to do this. Baseball doesn't care what you think is going to happen. Uh, you have to be paranoid in this game. I, I wasn't even supposed to pitch that day. I, I, I wasn't the guy. There was, you know, four other guys that were going to throw. Well, guess what? They did throw and things didn't work out the way that, you know, the manager at the time thought. So I just was always prepared. I had so many moments in my career that just made me super paranoid to the point where I was like, I'm ready to throw the next pitch of this game, even though it's the first inning and there hasn't been a pitch yet. I'm the guy that's always ready. You can't out prepare me. I am. I am so ready right now. I, my mental space, like I, if I have to sprint in, at any moment, I'm ready. So I go out there, and worst case imaginable, bases loaded in the big leagues, and you know, a couple of big hitters at the plate, and it's just like simplify it. Just ground ball here. That was it. Bang. Um, I think that's great. I think it's beautiful, and it, that's one more win than me and Chopper have uh, combined. Facts. So that is that's fact. Uh, you're now calling games with the crew, uh, uh, yeah. sharing the booth with with uh lev and i'll i'll leave you with this your favorite part of calling a game now now that you're on the the other side of it what do you love i love seeing the stuff that maybe not everybody sees you know they sometimes if you're watching on tv you don't get to see what happens in between innings um I, i there's always something out there and and me sitting in bullpens as long as i sat in a bullpen and watched a game there's always something to see any ball game you ever go to. You're going to see something you've never seen before. If you're watching close enough, I've never come away from a game going, I've, I've seen it all. You know, you're always going to see it's whether it's a pitch or whether it's a play um, it's just, or a weird moment. Um, it's like the thing. Every time you watch a game in the big leagues, somebody will foul a ball off between their legs happens once a game. It does. If you're, if you're watching. And it's just little things like that. I, I watch to see how the pitchers come set, how long they come set, you know, are they doing the same thing every time? And the guy will steal a base and be like, Oh, it's a stolen base for Christian Yelich. And I was like, yeah, he timed him up big time. The guy came set one, two pitched three pitches in a row. If we can see that, that's what the first base coach is for. Quentin Berry's over there. He's watching. He's got a stopwatch going, dude, he's doing the same thing. Every time you're going to go on this pitch. And on the onset, if you're just sitting in the stands looking, you're just like, Oh, he stole a base. Big deal. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. well, as a broadcaster, I'm able to express all those little, <laughs> all yep. those little things that just, 
you know, that I want to share that nobody really cares about um, <laughs> outside of a bullpen, but they give me a platform to do that. Nuance overload, big time. Um, it, it, listener, uh, you, you've had the pleasure of listening to these pipes for, for a good hour now. Now go watch <laughs> some of his great videos. Uh, Tim Dillard, uh, go to his Instagram and watch some of the videos and the recreations you do of these famous movie scenes. Um, oh, yeah. What, what, what is your favorite as we teased that earlier? Um, I don't know. I've had a lot of them that, you know, people don't even think are that funny, but me and the fun that we had putting the video together with the teammates, like if I had a behind the scenes camera to show oh. some of the stuff, the outrageous stuff that we did, um, it just makes you smile. It, it, not a day goes by a, a teammate of mine, a former teammate doesn't just sit there and go, dude, you remember that video we made in Omaha? <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. very like, telling, yeah. man. You know, it, it's, well, it's, it kind of, all these videos that we made basically is just a, a biography of those years. You know, it helps me remember guys. It helps me remember seasons and helps me remember where we were and what happened that day. And, you know, you can have a bad day at the field and you come back the next day and there's me asking, hey, I need you to put this chest protector on uh, and pretend like you're, you know, doing this on top of the dugout. And some of the teammates that really got into it were like, okay, well, <laughs> whatever, had, I'll do I whatever. Some of those guys are now playing for the Savannah Bananas or something, you know, they're, they're entertaining. Yeah, well, they the got crowd. a crash course. I know. Yeah. Some of them are in the big leagues. You know, Patrick Wisdom was in some of my videos oh. and he's hitting like tons of homers for the Cubs right now. Yeah. Uh, but he was the real men of genius. Like here's to oh. you baseball's designated hitter. <laughs> <laughs> so he, you don't even own a glove <laughs> he's first and here team comes all Patty good looks. like yeah. yeah cut cut off shirt and shades like what uh we've <laughs> we've shot so many good ones um it's it's really all-encompassing and it, it's something for everybody too because the, the a lot of the movies even my kids love right no, so it's it's pg and that's what i wanted to do on social media is there's a lot of bad stuff out there and honestly i set myself apart just putting out uh, good quality humor and mm -hmm. for no other reason than you know what life's fun it can be fun yeah. with the people that you're with well done Man. well it, it's done you well and it, it 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 gives me a great laugh um i'll be in nashville for my nashville sandlot uh end of august so if you're not on the road okay we'd love to see you out there we'll make a funny video or two and we'll teach kids yeah. love a play man we'll have some fun with it so Appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Um, you, you're uh, you're the most interesting man in my baseball world. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Appreciate, appreciate you, dude. Yeah. Hey, great to I, meet you. Have a great day. Thank you. And I appreciate what you guys are doing, man. Baseball is fun. It's awesome. Brings people Outstanding. together. Thank you, brother. Thanks, you, Billy. Yep. You, you, can, uh, you can pop out. We'll, we'll finish up our episode um, on our end, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. See you, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. a boy. Oh yeah, man. Really good stuff. Uh, takeaways, uh, that there's a lot like he, I think he came in thinking we were just going to laugh for an hour, which, which we could have, cause you know, me, me and him, <laughs> we see eye to eye on a lot of baseball humor, but we actually, we dug pretty deep. You got any takeaways? Uh, I mean, I love that he, his focus on throw strikes. I loved that. Uh, especially that's not the focus anymore, right? This, this era of showcase baseball, it's how hard can you throw it? Um, but I like, I, I, I'm so aligned with him of learn how to throw a strike first and then learn how to throw hard. Like 
Um, it's the opposite now. It's like, how hard can you throw? Uh, that doesn't impress me as a coach. I, I, it, it's actually annoying <laughs> when someone throws a billion and they can't throw a strike. It's like next guy. Like, I don't want I don't have time for it. I don't, it's not impressive, you know? Um, so I love that. I love that. I love that it came from his dad and his brothers, like this, the family business is baseball, you know, and, and right. I can relate to that in some ways. Um, I love that he made the clubhouse fun. So he's, he and I would have been very, very much best friends if we shared a clubhouse, I can promise you. Cause uh, I'm looking to have fun. He's looking to have fun. Couple of, couple of dudes just living their best life. And you know, his dad, uh, the legend uh, in that town was the most quiet guy at the little league game. Obviously and, he was watching the game. Exactly. So, um, uh, we, uh, we had a great interview with our man, Tim Dillard. And that interview was brought to you by our one and only sponsor war stick. Mm. Uh, they battle baby. If you want to get a 15% discount, uh, go to the war stick website and the discount code is Attaboy 15. Uh, and, uh, they've got bats and gloves and they've got all sorts of great stuff. Go, go do a little surfing on that, uh, war stick website. Thanks for being our, our sponsor. And thanks to all our Patreons, uh, for supporting as well. Uh, Tommy gold has, uh, has gotten another job, so he's still in the mix, uh, but, uh, but just needed to to explore the space, so to speak, find, uh, find some new avenues. But before we close up shop, I don't even know. I got to check in with you and your team. Uh, you had a second round game Saturday. Um, how'd it go? Second round game against the team that we played two weeks earlier, right? Yuma Catholic, tremendous team coached by Judd thrower. Who's awesome. Um, tremendous respect for him. And they've got this stud lefty, Mickey Fox. So we had a game plan coming in where we were going to really try to see some pitches and uh, try to get him out of the game. We felt like if we could get him out of the game, we had a really good chance because they threw their other guy in their game one round. So they didn't really have another high-level pitcher. So Michael Chop started the game. We went with an opener. And my son, freshman, started the game. First inning, one, two, three, struck out the three-hole, and we came out hyped. Bang. Um, yeah. But then their guy's really good too. And he did the same thing to us. Uh, one, two, three, second inning, they ended up scoring on a, like a mild ground ball to down to third and our third baseman's elite gold glove defender tipped off his glove. They scored a run. We came back and scored a run right back as one to one. They, uh, then we put in our ACE. So Mike went two innings, gave up one run, but handed the ball up to our ACE in a one to one game. We felt like we we're in a really good spot. Um, Ace comes out, walks the leadoff guy. That's 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 troubling, and it's the leadoff guy in their lineup in the third. And when he gets on, he scores. So he ended up scoring. We had an error by our second baseman who had a great season. Um, they scored a couple. They scored one earned run and one unearned run. So they're up three to one. It's like, all right, boys, here we go. Let's go. Keep you know, trust the process. Fast forward, uh, it's three to three, and we get their ace out in the sixth inning. Right, so we're like. Oh, this is it. This is perfect. We still have our ace going. We get their guy out, go into the top of the seventh inning. Uh, we get the, if, if we get them out, we have the top of our order coming up in the bottom of the seventh. It's lining up for another walk-off, get the first two guys out really quickly, two outs, nobody on, give them credit. Three hole hitter hits a double basically down the left field line. Uh, we intentionally walk the four hole hitter cause he's one of their best hitters. Next guy, same almost instant replay of the ground ball that Mike gave up a run onto third. 
And our third baseman, same thing, backhand play, uh, routine for him. He's elite, but it goes under his glove. They score four to three. We go one, two, three in the bottom of the seventh. That's the end of your season. But man, I'm so proud of our babies. And we had a game plan coming in. We executed it to an absolute T. Um, and similar to last year, it just wasn't meant to be. But um, we were a young team and we we finished the year just, uh, you know, I think it ended up like 13 and three over our last 16 games. It was incredible. And we played so clean for like eight straight weeks, you know, two almost two months that we had a day where we weren't really clean. We had three errors um, and and that cost us, but we battled, we lost four to three. Um, but man, I'm proud of my babies. And you know what's crazy? So that happened on Saturday, right? And I'm going through all my end of the year interviews with my guys, getting all my stuff prepared for our meeting tomorrow. Today's Tuesday, yesterday was Monday. So the first day back at school, I had six kids out there that wanted to work. So we're out there working, just getting ready for next year. We're, you heard it here first. We're going to win the state title in 2024. And we can replay this clip. The date is yeah, it's May. It's May, May something. May 9th. It's May mm -hmm. 9th, 2023. Come May 15th, 2024. We will be the state champions. I promise. And it's not because we're going to have a lot of talent, but just this mindset of like, okay, let's get back to work. We lost nobody from this team and we're getting some studs um that are that are coming in as incoming freshmen we are winning a state title and we are going to have so much fun. Like the summer starts. We have, we're coming to California June 2nd through the 12th with the group of boys um, with our summer program. So like the fact that I had so many babies that were ready to get right back to work, like nothing happened other than, Hey, let's keep going process over results. Let's get to work. Let's go. Uh, is, is nothing short of incredible. Our kid that was supposed to start yesterday for the third round, threw a 90 pitch bullpen yesterday to, to teammates. It's crazy. Let's go. I'm, I'm guessing that they're not having much trouble processing failure. Uh, close, we'll close up shop with this. How did you process the failure personally uh, in that moment? And then how did you help that group uh, process that big loss, tough loss? Yeah, it was easy just because we're not losing anybody, right? So it's like when you're not – like the year before – when I lost 12 seniors, I was weeping and it wasn't because we lost. It was because I don't get to be with these kids anymore. These young men that, that means so much to me. I knew, you know how it is when a season ends and guys graduate or move on or get traded or you, you want to keep in touch, but you don't, it's, it's very hard. So last year I was inconsolable um, with emotion because not because we lost, because I don't get to see these babies every day. And I, and I wanted two more weeks with them. I needed it, right? Um, whereas this one on Saturday was incredibly simple. It's like, hey, guys, we had some plays we didn't make, but like I, that doesn't take away from our season. Like we're the, we're the back-to-back 3A South Region champions, something that had never been done in school history. You guys did it with four freshmen, two sophomores, and three juniors. Every one of us is coming back with the exception of Tyler Mustaine who's going off to play Division One football. He joined the team halfway through the year because we needed an, another athlete. And he hit 370, 600 slug, and he hadn't played baseball since eighth grade. Um, but Tyler's going off, but like, that's okay. He just did us a favor. In fact, I'm awarding him the Knight in Shining Armor Award uh, at our banquet because he's a Knight in Shining Armor. But everyone else, it was, coach, it was really easy because it's like, hey, guys, like, we're, we get to play another game in three weeks, this entire group. Yeah. Um, so that was very easy for me. Uh, the emotion hit uh, Sunday morning at church. So, 
my son told me he cried himself to sleep. So I had that kind of that, that burdened me a little bit. I know that our third baseman that I brought up, how great he is. And he had those two plays that he makes in his sleep. I mean, he's that good. He's, I've told you about him. He's like Manny Machado, his actions. He's incredible. Um, but he didn't make those plays that he knows he could have made. And it was almost like they were in between a dive and a, so it's like, he didn't have to smother it. He really trusted himself. And he's worked so hard on his backhand. It just wasn't meant to be. Um, he cried himself to sleep and I got wind of that too. So at church, there was some music playing and it was playing and the, and the message of this song was about how our God goes before us and after us and all alongside us and let his favor be upon you. Um, and it made me think of our kids, right? Of like, dang, like, I know that this is hard for them because when you're in high school, this is all that they have. But mm -hmm. us as adults, we're able to see the perspective of like, babies, it's okay. You know, it's okay. It's failure's good. Failure's going to propel us to tremendous things. Um, so I got really emotional. I, I, I openly cried during this song, but it was more about just God's grace and his love. And like, this song's powerful. It's called the blessing. Look it up. It talks about how God is for you and his favor be upon you and your children and your children's children. Uh, it's a verse out of Genesis. Um, but yeah, so that was where I had, I had to, I had to process emotion, but it was not my own. Um, I'm so proud of our kids. It was cause I know, and you know, we've been that age and I was like, God, give, give, give my babies peace, you know, mm -hmm. give them peace and help them know that gosh, dang, they're loved. Um, and I freaking love them. And I cannot wait to get back. To, I'm getting emotional thinking about, it. I can't wait to get back to work. And now I get to work with my younger babies. So now I'm excited too, for now I can get back to my eight, like these younger group of 10 and 11 year olds that, um, that I love so much. And all of them were at the game and they were so proud of these boys that are their big brothers. Cause they, they help coach camps and stuff. So, uh, we got a really special thing going with these groups and these families. And I'm so thankful that I get to coach them. I love them all. Good stuff. Yep. Seems like their joy is detached from their results. And then they have turned the page and said, yeah. well, let's get out there and, and, and do it again. And for, uh, teams, uh, little league travel ball, high school, anything. I mean, the, the, we're coming to the end of the season. We're coming to tournament games and, and big losses. And I highly uh, encourage you to, um, help these kids process their, their big losses or their failures. If you don't win the championship with some sort of pizza party, uh, the very next week and make it a sandlot game, uh, barbecue, uh, and just let them know, Hey, that this is not the end all be all and that the the priority is in these relationships that we built together and the life lessons we learned this week so or this year um good stuff man uh, uh proud of you and your team for for uh, i know you know there's some loyal listeners out there they were wondering how to go and uh we followed your journey uh this whole year and we'll be uh we'll be letting you know come uh, playoff time next year that you, you called it dude you called hey. it I, I'm telling you right now, and, and just to touch on this too, I think sometimes us as parents, we assume our kids are okay, right? Um, like Michael, Michael had a great game on Saturday. He he had a, he drove in a run. He had a, a game tying RBI in the sixth inning off that great pitcher that ended up getting him out of the game. He got a base hit. He had, he had a bunt for hit, so he was one for two with an RBI. So you would think he'd be happy. No, he comes home and I'm like, Mikey, what's wrong? He's like, we lost by one and I gave up a run. You know, it's like, no, dude, like you, you handed the ball off to our ace tied and you drove in the game tying run and you got a butt base hit and you like, 
like that's a great game but no like the devil messes with us and they find failure and he tries to get us to where we don't see our worth and not that if he had gone over three that doesn't change his worth but it's like even in a great game where they do great things oftentimes human nature is yeah but if i would have done more and if i would have done this it's like no dude like i'm so proud of you as a freshman uh you know competing yeah and so just be mindful of that like don't Mm -hmm. assume your kids are okay check in there you go that's perfect well um we'll do it again next week won't we can't wait let's do it again uh folks uh you're awesome uh we got some great feedback i got some some texts some emails from last week's episode uh with my good pal sean flicky talking about uh the, you know the child that that is disruptive disrespectful just not cooperating and and i've taken tips already and i've already failed at what i learned from him last week and and ran into it uh at sandlots and probably could have done better so uh, take it from me. It, it it is not easy, but I'll I'll keep on trying to to become the best coach I can. Um, I like that episode. That was nice me too. I like that. Everybody have a great week. All right, bang bang bang, bang. rake. <laughs>